Hi, welcome to this episode of Hollywood Breaks. It's good to be with you today. Today, Keith and I discussed the really, really the reason why films are being made. We're kind of confused by some filmmakers, legitimate films that are not being seen and others that are not quite as great, but are being pushed out there. Um, but we want leadership to step up in Hollywood. And we discussed the details of what it takes to be a leader and strength in Hollywood. So welcome to this episode of Hollywood Breaks. Hey, happy Friday. Good to see you. Happy Friday. Good to see you. Um, okay, you have to tell me. I know that you texted me about West Side Story. So you oh, have to tell yes. me how that, yes. what did you think? Well, all right. First of all, so yes, I finally watched it. <laughs> After how many months? <laughs> I was on HBO Max. I was a little under weather yesterday, so uh, not COVID related. But uh, I figured, you know what? I got access to all these apps. I might as well check out. West Side Story. Originally, I thought it was on a Disney Plus app, but no, it's on HBO Max. Go figure. Uh, but wait, why would you think it? Dis- oh, is it? The, it's a Disney. Twentieth Twentieth Century Studios. Oh God, that was really hard to say that without the Fox. Uh, it's Twentieth Century wow, Studios, yeah. which is owned by Disney. So and released on HBO Max. Wow. Well, it's probably because they have these the output deals. Whatever. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, much like I was in your head when you went to the theatrical experience and you're like sitting there, like, oh, it smells like popcorn. There's gum in my feet. You know, your whole thing about why was in my head while I'm sitting watching this movie, and I'm like, why did they make this thing? There's no reason to remake this movie. There was no reason. None. Zero. He added nothing. There's no new no. context. It doesn't give no. us insight in today's thinking because of yesterday's thinking. No, I. it's, yeah, it's totally unbelievable too. Just like some of the characters, the characterizations of people. I yeah. don't know. I don't know. I mean, there were some beautiful shots and there's moments when there's like that lens flare that I, I've never seen really seen it with Spielberg. It's more J.J. Abrams, but he used a lot of it in this film. I mean, there were some, like the dance you know the 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 high school dance that was well shot. I thought. I mean, it. I mean, there were some moments that were great. I mean, I didn't buy the two of them at all. Like, I didn't feel any chemistry between the two of them at all, and that pulled me out. The girl who played um, Anita was good. I thought she was good, but and Riff Riff was pretty good. But other than that, I was like, what? Why? Why did they make this movie? Like, why? I don't. And it's Oscar nominated, Keith. Yes, I know, but it didn't make any money. By the way, he's getting best director and yeah. Denny, Denny, De, Vinny Delavu, Denny Villavu, whatever. Denny <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Like, dude, We're never going to get him on this podcast. I never. There you go. <laughs> Why can't I get that name right whenever I say it? Um, but yeah, that's uh, he gets no director credit and Spielberg's getting director for that thing. I don't know. Like I said, I, I think I said this before is the only reason I can figure out why is right before the credits, it just says for dad or something like that. And you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, OK, that's why. But that's Oscar worthy because Spielberg wants to make a tribute movie for his father. I don't know, man. It's Spielberg. It's Spielberg. And every and if, I, come if on. the movie's functional, everyone out in L.A. is like, oh, it's Spielberg. Yeah. Best director. I mean, come on. I here's well, let's just say like the residue has has worn off for me. Like I, mm. as you know, like I believe we're at the end of the blockbuster. Blockbuster right. films, what Spielberg created, is not what's driving us to the theaters anymore. There's too much distraction. There's too many other pieces of content available. Not Netflix, but other possible good good items that we can watch on TV or or other places. Um, 
But then, so the Spielberg machine, I wonder if it's just like, well, maybe one last hurrah for him before we put him out to pasture because it's not, that that was nothing. And as you say, like the student is influencing the teacher now, Spielberg, Spielberg's using J.J. Abrams techniques. Like we're into something else. Well, I don't know if if he ripped it off J.J. or if it's a student, but I've just never, I don't remember. Now, granted, this is post after I've worked in the industry and I understand lens flare and all that stuff. So maybe he did have it in his older movies and I just never noticed it. Like Super 8, which was basically a love letter to Spielberg, had a lot of lens flare. But I always thought that was just J.J. Abrams style because he used it constantly in Star Wars and the the tight close-ups, the quick close-ups is another J.J. Abrams trick. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I hate I, – I agree with you that the blockbuster is basically kaput. And I think Spielberg has shifted from this sort of, I don't know, uplifting entertainment to just – depressing sturge i guess is the way to put it like and it's sad because depressing sturge that's gonna be the title of today's i don't i just made that up i don't even know if sturge is an actual word but it just i i I don't know it it's it's sad for me because it's just another part of my memorable childhood that is just gone and it's I, i get you know i understand everything has to evolve we need to move on but I wish there was someone who would take up his mantle because he was a great storyteller. He really was. Like he had a childish love of telling stories mm-hmm. that came through in his filmmaking, which is gone. And I don't know what caused it, if it's something in his life personally or he just wants to be sort of, you know, in the direction that the woke culture is moving and he wants to be sort of at the forefront of it and he doesn't want to get canceled. I don't know. But anyway, the whole yeah. time I was watching it, you were in my voice saying, why? Why, why Keith? Just shows my brilliance, Keith. <laughs> I know. I was like, wow, Tim's right. Why? Why did they make this movie? And it goes back so, to Kevin Getz, what he said. Like, why did they dump the, all this money on this movie that has now made, what, $40 million? It's going gonna, it's gonna to definitely end up in the red. There's no way they're going to make money on that. Yeah. And I'm like, but why? Just because he wanted to make it. And that's really the only reason you can justify remaking that movie. That's the only reason. So let's just anyway. think... Our lucky Hollywood stars on Hollywood Boulevard <laughs> that we now have a film that we can erase that memory with 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 Batman because yes and and look I know I'm like a week behind but life has its callings <laughs> more than I could get to the theater as fast and as a three hour a three hour running time also kind of yeah. gets in the way <laughs> but I have kids uh, uh, one of my boys who lives in Los Angeles. Uh, woke up last Wednesday morning and thought, I don't know who I'm going to see this film with. So he got on an airplane, flew to Portland to go see it with his older brother in Portland because he's like, I'm going to see this film. Really? So Yeah, yes. Wow, I mean, that's come dedication. On, I, mean, I, have, I like it. I have a, I have a film family. We've got to do this thing. <laughs> that is dedication. I've never heard of someone flying to go see a movie with somebody. <laughs> he wanted to see it. Why? He wanted to see come it. Come on. It's, go by it's yourself. I used to do that all the time. Dude, I nah. live at the Grove. The Batman? Come on. This is the one. Go on a Saturday. Hey, I saw Spider-Man by myself. You want to cheer. I would go to the Grove and I'd bounce between theaters. And, you know, that's just how I watched all my movies. But every now and then I'd call a buddy. But most of the time I went by myself. I was a midnight movie watcher. Like, that's like 1130 at night. Nothing to do. Cool. I'm just going to watch a midnight movie. All right. There you go. But uh, from what Seamus said, or all my kids have said so far, is like, it's a pretty awesome film, and I'm look. I'm I'm heavily looking forward to it. I am too. I'm gonna try to go see it on Tuesday. I've kind of blocked my schedule 
told all my clients I'm going to, I'll call you back on Wednesday. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm a huge Batman fan. I remember standing in line in my theater at home to watch the first one with Michael Keaton. And, um, you know, I've loved most of them. Haven't loved mm-hmm. all of them. The Joel Schumacher years were dark times. We'll just skip over those. Uh, but I have, a, you know, it's a high bar because I loved the Nolan movies. And I thought they really captured, especially The Dark Knight, really captured the essence of Batman. Now, I yeah. love Matt Reeves. Um, I worked with him a little bit on the first Planet of the Apes, the remake. He's a great director. Really likes to tell a compelling story. Um, some of the reviews I've read have said, like, it's almost like he... They don't really like the character of Batman, but they're telling a Batman movie. It's in a Batman movie, which happens. I mean, a lot of times directors don't really like the characters they have to insert because it's a comic book movie. But uh, at the same time, you know, I've heard really good things about it. I heard the action's great. I was talking to somebody today, as I mentioned in the pre-show, who's going to see it again. And I have not heard of that in a long time. And I asked him why, because obviously I was curious. And he said... Well, the soundtrack is great, and it sounds great in the theater, and the scenes are the kind of thing you know you have to see in the theater. Like, you can't, you will get a completely different experience if you just watch this on your 45, 50, 60, 70 foot screen, whatever. You're just going to get a completely different experience. So that yeah. was like, oh, okay, maybe I need to see this. That's so exciting, because I, yeah. I am a believer in the theatrical experience. Just as am I. want to absorb it as much as possible. And yes, I, just the I trailer. As I said last week, talking to Corey, like yeah. when I, my wife and I went to a theater and, the, uh, and we watched a trailer for it. And when the trailer hit, I thought, holy cow, I can't wait to right. see this thing. It just, yeah. the sh- I mean, come on, it's three minutes of the film cut into a sequence. Um, and I was already jazzed. So yeah, I truly, it's going to be great. And it's, I mean, what is, it's 130 million already, right? So we're actually getting... Yeah, around 130 million opening weekend, which is great yeah. for theaters. Again, you know, I would I would want it to be something other than a comic book movie, but anything that keeps the money flowing and keeps the theater's lights on, that's, I'm all, I'm all for that. And I think it's comic book characters, but if we, if we were to be critical, right, the Joker... Um, was not a comic book movie, even though it was a character from Batman. Yeah. And this is obviously the follow-up for that. It was a love letter to Robert De Niro and Martin Scorsese's yeah. and his gritty New York 70s movies. Yeah, and Joaquin Phoenix, Phoenix did something very, very different. I mean, he wins right. an Oscar for a comic book movie. I don't know. I'm just, I, I get that it's a character, but I think this current vision and this current iteration is not what Ben Affleck's doing with Batman by any means. Like, we're actually no. doing something uh, with character and culture um and uh, the conversation that needs to take place i mean honestly the the why you're missing missing from west side story is showing up in these films it's yeah. trying to make a commentary on what's happening today and how things work yeah that's that's true i mean i uh you know obviously they felt they had to reboot the batman after the disaster of um you know the last iteration Zack snyder's vision so they knew they had to redo it and, you know, I understand that. But if, it's a, if, it, if you tell a more compelling story, then, yeah, I can, I can kind of understand the why. And the comic – I mean, I, I don't want to completely poo on comic book movies because I, I was a comic book geek as a kid. My cousin was a huge comic book geek and got, really got me into it. And, you know, I knew all these characters long before I got to L.A. 
and there there are some really rich stories and opportunities for backgrounds and like all these villains, especially in the Marvel universe, have very complicated stories and and you know in in the DC universe as well. And there's richness to it. And I'm not necessarily saying that it's, it's all bad, you know. So I, I'm glad that they're introducing new voices like a Matt Reeves. You never would have put him with a Batman. Yeah, so right. So it's an inspired choice by Warner Brothers to sort of say, hey, why don't you come over? It's a very Mar- Marvel-like move, a Feige-like move to bring an unexpected director into the film. Now, whether or not he's actually a fan of Batman, that's to be seen. With Marvel, they always tried to hire fans of the franchise or fans of the character. Sure. So the the mythology would be treated with respectfully versus. But I think that's the John Favreau kind of influence yeah. on it was, hey, how do I turn this into a universe? He knew what he right. was unpacking. It's the world building that that Tim was talking about a few weeks back. That's yeah. That's essentially what they're trying to now. They're not necessarily building a world because they've got various Batman's and. You know, all this, you know, Michael Keaton and I guess Ben Affleck will be in the new Flash movie. So I don't know if Robert Pattinson's going to be in that. Who knows if Pattinson's going to do it again because apparently he did not have the best experience on this one. So, I mean, I, you know, who knows? But I'm I'm excited that people are go- starting to go back to the movies. My one, uh, The same guy I was talking to said he tried to go opening weekend. They couldn't get in because the theater was sold out. And the wow. only rows open were the two front rows. And this is like like eastern pennsylvania suburbs of philadelphia not new york or la so that in and of itself is a good sign that means people are comfortable going back to the movies now so hopefully that will inspire the studios to start releasing more back into the theaters although i understand the day and day well let's talk about this move that amc is doing yeah by they're doing a price adjustments for the uh, premiere week too so they're i think they're betting on the fact that Mandates are being dropped. People are interested in it. Big films coming out soon. Maybe Maverick. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Maverick. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, I think what AMC did now, what they did was they basically charged, I think, at a dollar more the first eight days of the movie. Um, you know, listen, I, I'm all for them trying new things. I, I This is something that the, the theaters are very slow to do. And depending on the split, I think the split was, I think, Warner Brothers was charging like 51% or 52% a fee for the of the total gross of the, whatever the theater takes in. So the theaters have to make up for it. Like because the movies aren't necessarily going directly to the theaters as much anymore and there's a day and date into the streaming, they have to make money somehow. And this is a good first I, – I, I'm all for experimenting. Like let's sure. try different things, see what works. Uh, Matt Bellani of Puck News wrote a really great piece about all of this, sort of delving into sort of the details, surge pricing, um, you know, charging different um, caught for charging differently for each seat, like you do when you go see a, um, a performance, like Hamilton. Little things like that, like let try things differently. Let's see what what works and what doesn't work. Now, would I prefer they focus more on the actual overall experience? Yes, because I think that in and of itself is a bigger problem. But they have to make money first. And if they're not getting movies and they're struggling to, to clear, you know, break even, then they got to figure out something that's going to work. And why not do it in a movie that you know people are definitely going to see? So I'm all for it. Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's a great move, um, you know, but we'll see if it plays out. I feel like it's just like they, they for years have, I mean, maybe since my college years, they used to, you know, you could buy discount tickets or 
matinee price or whatever. Right. They had the matinee pricing. And they would just skip that for these premiere seasons. It feels like they're doing something similar, but they're just hiking up the price. Basically competing with streaming and saying, hey, we have something unique. Are you willing to pay a dollar more for it? Right. Um, But I I don't know. I mean, it's still obviously like a grab at trying to um, raise prices or do something that um, recognizes we're going to need cash flow as the theater or or something's going to change. I think it's tough, especially, you know, with prices rising, inflation, gas going to astronomical uh, heights. Um, it's it's a tough to make that case, but I think the studios also have to make the case. Like, listen, my my old boss Tony Sella at Fox had this great adage. He was like, "Where else in the world can you spend twelve to fifteen dollars and see a hundred million dollar product? Yeah, right. You're paying twelve fifteen dollars and you're seeing a hundred million dollars on the screen. For jeans, you're paying for that price. You're paying for you know the Gucci or what have you. But for a film." You're dropping 12, 15 bucks to see a hundred million dollar product. Like where else, yeah. where else are the metrics like that? Yeah. So I think the idea is you got to keep, keep the quality up. You know, obviously spend where it's worth it as Kevin gets so artfully pointed out a few weeks back, they spend when it's not really worth it. And now they just have to be smarter about it. But I mean, we could go down the rabbit hole of new leadership and all that kind of stuff. But I think this is a step in the right direction and I hope Fingers crossed that this means like, you know, maybe some of the other bigger companies will get involved in the theaters and there'll be more of a uh, collegial relationship versus adversarial, which is what it's been like for going on forever. Well, it does feel like the streaming thing is, and it's just a feeling maybe, but like the streaming thing is falling apart. I mean, it was already a congested marketplace as yeah. we've been joking for two years, like right. which platform, you know, watch it on. The <laughs> yeah. Olympics clearly didn't help Peacock at all. No, um, there was no real driving force to to um, to watch the Olympics, let alone subscribe or try to keep your subscription going to a different platform. Right. Um, and I feel like the the competition is ramping itself up. I'm not really sure what Paramount's doing, but I think there's a, some movement going on. Paramount, you know, maybe even the you know, if there is a possible buyer for Paramount, they'll actually launch Maverick and we'll actually get something <laughs> in the theater. You really want to see Maverick. You know what? Next I'm time just I- saying like it's two years old. I have the I have the cup. It's like, what what the heck? It just got to get it. I got connections at Paramount. I could email and say, hey, my buddy Tim really wants to see this movie. Can you yeah. arrange a private screening for him? Just him That'd and his great. family, which is going to be like 30 people. So just be well, ready for that. And but. my kids would fly somewhere. To see <laughs> yeah, I know. They would fly, obviously. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a five hundred dollar um, yeah, ticket. I mean, that it, pay. A five hundred dollar ticket. It, I mean, it's interesting you bring up Peacock um, because Bob Bake Abakish, the uh, CEO of Paramount Global, wow, it's weird even saying that, um, was at a conference this week and somebody asked him about you know acquisitions and he basically said, well, if I was going to buy a company, this is what I would look for. And he basically laid out what Paramount is. Ah, good streaming service, solid studio, good content pipeline. So everyone was like, wait a minute. Did he just put a giant for sale sign on Paramount? Now, everyone who wow. knows, who's in the low, knows that talk, you know, once they combined and just, you know, the, the fact that when they rebranded as Paramount Global, Wall Street was like, meh, and the stock dropped 20% and their numbers aren't terribly great on Paramount+. Plus. Now, Yellowstone has been a bit of a hit for them. Um, you know, I think Sonic helped them a little bit, uh, but you know, it, it's interesting because you think about the Peacock experience and Comcast is a much bigger company. They have a much bigger uh, bottom line to spend on content. 
Comcast and and Paramount Global have already started playing footsie with each other overseas. So it'll be oh. interesting to see if that's what happens. And I mean, the whole reason that they made a lot of the changes at the studio they did at Paramount was because they wanted to boost streaming. Like Jim sure. was Jim Giannopoulos was an old school theater guy. He's like, no, 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 we're we're pushing, you know, Maverick three, two months, one year, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. And Sherry was like, oh, come on, dude. Like, you're killing me. Like, I got a streaming service. You got to, you got to, you got to bust that, you know, boost those numbers if I'm ever going to sell this beast. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Like, now it's sort of becoming more public conversation. Before, it was more or less rumor. And this is still kind of rumor, but at the same time, the way Bob described the, the company that he would want to acquire, which is basically Paramount, was basically saying, Come on, guys. We're good. We got we 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 got what you need here. Like, who wants us? Apple, Peacock, what Comcast? Maybe Disney will buy them and just keep on buying, keep on. Oh no! But no, I. You know what's funny is is like you. So one of their biggest hits, Yellowstone, had it has a similar problem to what you were saying about um, West Side Story. Is right. You know, you have. It's created at Paramount, but released on HBO Max or other platforms. I think I watch Yellowstone on Peacock. Peacock. Yeah. yeah. They have the streaming rights. And so that's their, yeah, that doesn't make, it's it's almost like incestuous that you can't right. really determine where these things are and how, mm-hmm. how they're being distributed. So these micro platforms that are coming up for every single studio making something doesn't really have a relevance to really what you care about, which is watching content or probably even thinking I want to simplify that process and just go back to cable. <laughs> like if cable just didn't have stupid commercials and they could give me a <laughs> premium service like they gave in the 1980s, I might be able to yeah. do that. Yeah. But there, but I think that's, that's where the lack of vision of all of these micro streaming services are happening. It's interesting that the, on the Rev Thinking podcast, uh, Joel Pilger on our other podcast um, interviewed uh, Denny Tu, um, who's the CMO of IMAX. Yep. And that's a really great conversation about exhibitors and distribution. Um, and clearly, they've been doing some recent plays just to get people back in the theaters, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but he made a quote that something like streaming is um, like a fantastic way of delivering convenience. Um, and I like, oh, that's a really sm- smart way of thinking about it, right? Because uh, we, what we're basically buying into with streaming is the convenience of watching anything we want to at any time. Um, but he pushes yeah. that idea too of like, there's also opportunity with streaming that has value and uh, additional choices that you can't get from traditional theaters. And so the CMO of IMAX is even saying, hey, we recognize what we actually are, which is an institution you come and you worship one film at a time, right? Instead of mm-hmm. basically being able to consume something in perpetuity. Right. Um, and we know the difference. We've been talking about that now for two years. Like Netflix is basically the candy jar. Like you just consume and consume and consume, but no- nothing's good for you, but you're basically wasting time. And the candy isn't very good, according to you. Right? <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's stale and it's not even well thought about. But it's, it's like you're looking at the mystery chocolate box and you get that one. You're like, oh, no, that's not the caramel. <laughs> it's a box of goobers, if you ask me, yeah. man. It's a pile of goobers. Um, but there is like there's things that are happening and moving. And something like Paramount, you would almost wonder if they stayed institutionalized and being what they are, which is 
a film studio making films instead of trying to micro stream, um, they, they might have opportunity. So yeah, we'll see that buyer, whoever the buyer is, I'm sure we'll have, hopefully have some vision of what to do with that. Well, it's interesting you bring that the film studio because that's really what Sony's play has been. They have basically said, no, we are going to be a film studio. Our films are going to release and then we'll, you know, we'll shift movies that we don't really feel are theatrical to Netflix. They have that deal with Netflix They you know, they'll shift them to Amazon like so they they they're totally fine with kind of almost being a supplier to the streamers versus actually having a streamer streaming service themselves and it's an interesting it's an interesting way of going about it i don't know financially how well it works i mean they've had some great you know films over the course spider-man obviously um you know the Mo- Mo- morbius coming out soon which that could play well who knows but you know it it seems to be that it it just depends on you know, what, what direction you want to go. And I think Sony is like, we're, we are a theatrical studio, but we're not going to be dedicated to theatrical. We're, we're going to make our stuff. We're going to churn out films and we'll determine whether or not the film is theatrically worthy or whether or not it's something we think would be better for a streaming platform. I mean, these are very difficult conversations to have with talent. Um, I think there's something to be said for being more predictable. Um, I think Universal is very clear about what's going to end up on streaming and, you know, if it doesn't work in the first couple of weeks, boom, it's going over to Peacock. And I think that's better than sort of this Disney model, which is basically like, well, we'll see how it goes. And whatever creams Daniel's division in that weird room that where they decide what goes where <laughs> and whatever they decide. And then you just dump it. Like, I mean, I feel bad for the Pixar folks. They haven't seen a movie in the theaters for the last two years. Yeah, they got right. one coming up on Friday that's on Disney+. Plus. And I haven't seen any material on it. I mean, and I'm a parent. Oh, is this the red? Yes. This is the red. Turning red, becoming red, something like that? Turning red, I think it's called. Okay, yeah. And I'm like, that's like right. uh, My kids love Pixar. My my daughter has a a red fox or whatever it's called. Um, And it's like, why, why are, I mean, again, it's sort of like there's just this confusion. And I think that's part of the problem. I think. It's better to be clear about where the movie's going to go, and then, you know, if it like Universal, if it's two weeks and it doesn't work, then you ship it to streaming. There's got to be somewhere in between. Even just go back to the beginning of our conversation today of not even just where, but why. Like yeah, why? who you are as an institution, who you are as a studio, who you are as a company has to mm-hmm. know why you're doing what you're doing. Clearly, Disney was in distribution for for decades before they launched their platform. Paramount were they in distribution before that? Not really. I mean, they weren't in. They weren't making different diff, different exhibitors or distribution channels. They were simply a supplier that were being consumed by others. So mm-hmm. to pivot and to try to do something more than your expertise seems kind of foolish. I like the Sony model, although I'm surprised still that Dis- that Apple has not bought Sony. I kind of thought we'd be geniuses if we totally called that thing out a year <laughs> yeah, ago. Yeah, that uh, that year ago. What on? Uh, what's the name of that app? I can't remember the name of it. I haven't been on it in forever. <laughs> the conversation oh, app. What's no the Fishbowl, one we no, on. uh, Clubhouse? Clubhouse. Clubhouse. There it is. Yeah, yeah, that's that was one, hot yeah. for like five seconds. Yeah, but, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, it, uh, Apple's an interesting, interesting beast too. I I don't really I don't understand what they're doing. 
you know, I've been talking to people and they don't even know where to find Apple Originals. They're like, well, I don't even know where it is. Like, they have that. It's in that one place. You have to go to the yeah. one place and get the one. But thing. they don't know where it is because they're used to turning on their Apple TV and turning on Netflix, Hulu. Interesting. Um, yeah. You know, it, there's a confusion there. And, you know, listen, they're throwing money all over the place. Like, they're making a $200 million Brad Pitt movie and. They're making, oh, this is actually, I'm really excited that they're making this. They're making a Ridley Scott Napoleon film with Joaquin Phoenix as Napoleon. Sign me up. I will wow, that's sign cool. up for Apple TV+. Plus. But at the same time, that doesn't really feel like a movie you want to watch on TV. It's Ridley Scott. You want to see yeah, that course. on a big screen. Yeah. But I don't even know if they're going to release it because they're not very theater friendly. It's all about on the platform. So, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe there's a, it would be great. Interesting. If the streamers would start to recognize that some films actually would play well in theaters. And maybe people would want to go see that. Because you have to understand, particularly from a parental, speaking from a parental experience, it's like going to the theater is a great way to just be, get your kids to be quiet. I mean, even if you're sitting at home, it's still like chaos. It's still like that they're going to get up, they're going to want to go, you know, they're going to want more food or whatever. But if you go to like a theater that's just sitting in awe and you're just like, yes, this is this is this is what the experience Although is. Although the last time we went to the theater we saw um the the mystery movie Death on the Nile or whatever that was. Oh uh, Kenneth Branagh. Uh, Murder on the River Nile or something yeah. like that. The yeah. uh, Agatha Christie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, by the way, I don't know if I told you this. <laughs> I totally no, loved that movie. It was really, really great. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Kenneth Branagh. There are shots that Kenneth Branagh pulled off. And it's a simple idea, right? Because oh, it's yeah, just I, a place yeah. takes place on a riverboat. Yeah. He he did it great. It was it was wow. fun to watch. It's a great date movie. But uh the two people sitting next to me, they could have used your little lecture about um being quiet in a theater. Cause you know <laughs> there's just some people that want to wear their pajamas in the afternoon and yeah, and don't really care. And Talk a lot in a the theater. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Open up everything that they possibly bought in plastic. Again, the experience. Experience. I say you start collecting people's phones before they walk into the theater. And if they, you have ushers along, well, and if somebody starts talking, you give them one warning, two warning, they're out. <laughs> that simple. Let's do it. I don't Come think on, there's AMC. enough employees. I don't think there's enough Come employees. Come on, AMC. Though. Come on, Regal. You can do All it. All right, my friend. It. It's a... Uh, I, 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 the question I often ask myself when we talk is, do people care as much as we care? Like I find that we can, you know, we're hoping for projecting a future that we're expecting to get out of Hollywood. But we also recognize that this change is opportunity. So Mm -hmm. to dive into it really is to break it apart to just see what the pieces are and to put it back together again. And if you are doing that based off of the right reason, so you're at the core why you're doing what you're doing, then it makes sense to us. What I think you and I can see is like people are just performing for Wall Street or jumping because of some pandemic reason instead of actually being clear to who they are. It's very frustrating. And that's the lack of leadership that we're seeing in Hollywood. Yeah, Yeah. I I think that's totally right. The movement we're looking for is the movement that says, hey, where are the people? that know what's good and true and are going to step up in this time and not just pander to whatever the movement is at the moment. Yep. I agree. Um, so go back to theaters. I, 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 I'll we'll have to text each other after. <laughs> yes. Not during Batman because I don't want to be thrown out of the theater by the usher, no, no. your little usher friend, but yeah, there you go. See, I'm telling you, it's the way to go. <laughs> start doing it now. Just start. I, I guarantee you everyone would applaud it. If I, I can't believe they don't do it in uh, Broadway theaters. 
that they don't confiscate phones in Broadway theaters. They rely on the actors stopping the play and yelling at people who answer their phones. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. To stop it. Yeah. And that's the shaming of it. And I'm like, no, just collect the phones. I mean, I know logistically it'd be difficult, but yeah, sure. it would make it a much more enjoyable experience. Anyway, and on that note, go back to theaters, people. All right. Have a great weekend, my friend. Enjoy Batman. You too. Talk to you later. Always good to see you, Tim. You too. See you.